the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 2. We are privileged in Phoenix and Arizona to have uh, a handful of great intellectual and political minds. One of them is uh, my friend Sam Stone. We are equally privileged that he has decided to not just uh, talk about politics and policy, not just think about politics and policy, not just help other candidates with their politics and policy, but to do it himself. So he's rolled up his sleeves and he's running for city council here in District 6 in Phoenix. That's the area that we broadcast from, and it covers uh, Ahwatukee. It covers uh, a lot of the Phoenix and Biltmore and Arcadia area. It goes all the way uh, up to Sunny Slope. It's Sal DeCicio. He used to work with Sal, and Sal DeCicio, like me, uh, has endorsed him. Have or has has endorsed has. him like me has endorsed him, and we are delighted to have him in studio on his race and anything else you want to talk to him. He is, as I say, a uh, mind alive on all things uh, politics, uh, from local to national to international. His website, samstone dot vote samstone dot vote. He's up against the machine, so uh, anything you can do to help out, whether it's volunteering or donating, uh, it is all useful and helpful. Sam, welcome back. How goes it? Seth, it goes fantastically, and i got to tell you, that's a great intro because I'm sitting here. I literally have my sleeves yes, rolled up. I noticed you. <laughs> so so at, very apt intro right Sam, there. Sam is very literal. Yeah. He knows the difference between literal and figurative. But you know what? Let's, let's yeah. talk about, in the figurative sense, rolling up their sleeve. And i got to thank, Seth, your audience, all of you listening out there right now, uh, and I hope the folks who have uh, come out uh, are listening because i I got to tell you, I'm – I've been really humbled. There have been a bunch of people who are listeners on this program who have heard uh, us talking here, who have come out. They're knocking doors with us. They're addressing envelopes with us uh, in the evenings. And a bunch of them have, I mean, even gone so far as to send in donations and support to the campaign. And I got to tell you, folks, all of you listening out there, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. I mean, I'm in a dogfight against the mayor's candidate. He's got way more money than me. You guys, those small donations a lot of folks make, may, it may not seem like much in a race like this. It's a big deal. It matters. And so I just got to start out by by giving my heartfelt thanks to all the folks that's, listening out there for what they've done for my great. campaign. That's great. That's great, folks. Uh, good for y'all. Good for caring about your city and good for caring about our cause and the cause, which is about helping people and making life just a little bit better here and making sure that it doesn't get worse, which, as you know, great cities can't do. We've seen a lot of them. We've seen the rise and fall of a lot of great cities. Uh, it would be ironic if Phoenix, which is named after something that falls and then rises, would be one of them. Well, my, my, my family's not from, uh, not from the Netherlands. We're from Eastern Europe. But I, I'm, I'm asking for your vote to go there and be the Dutch boy, folks. Good. Good. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand there with my fingers in the dam and, re, and try to hold back the tide. And I, I believe we can do it, and I believe we could turn it around, uh, like we've seen in Miami, Miami Beach, yep. Mi- Miami-Dade County. Um, Hispanic population here, 
Republicans just need to get real serious about going in and engaging, listening, learning, and taking some lessons from them for the policies that we're putting forward. Because I got to tell you, uh, Democrats are not doing anything that matches the the character, value, and, and uh, the family focus of Hispanics uh, across this country or here. I mean, you're seeing this crazy stuff coming out of Katie Hobbs' office. Um, you know, when you when you're trying to get rid of the ESA program on day one. Right. That's helping a lot of low-income families get a great education for their kids when they have a, a failing public school in their area that, that isn't doing that, that maybe is more focused on indoctrination and political ideology than ABCs and 123s. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you're trying to take that away, we have a golden opportunity. So, And it I, can be I done. I mean, it. there are cities that have turned around. Uh, New York in the 90s turned around. And then yeah. you can see what happens when you drop that. Project Indianapolis did turn around under Mayor Gold, Steve Goldsmith, and then it, you know, dropped it and fell again. We can turn things around. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that happens is, is quite frankly, when things are going well, yeah. when everything's good, then the stuff Democrats are saying, which sounds like, "Hey, we're just going to do everything for everybody," and this that becomes a lot more attractive when things are going well than when you see the results of what they do. Yeah. Um, which is when Repu- people start turning to Republicans and going, oh, my goodness, come save us. There's a reason people are moving here. There's a reason people are moving out of some of those cities we were well, describing. Well, I, I saw a graphic, a, a moving graphic yesterday of the uh, migration from California. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, these enormous streams of people over the last three years that are moving out of that state. Yep. Uh, I mean, just like locusts. I mean, it's these huge just clouds. And obviously, Phoenix and Arizona is an epicenter, Texas. For now, for now, you know, one wonders what uh, what the next four years are going to be like with the head of the state uh, being uh, who she is. I mean, it's not a good start. Well, and, and she is proving to be everything that we warned against. Um, you know, I mean, she is a high, hardcore partisan ideological operator and staffed you know, look, by even harder core, even even harder core. And, and look at, um, you know, one of the things that I brought up during that race was that the press, obviously, the, you know, Arizona Republic, the mainstream media, we're not calling her out on the fact she was trying to campaign. Essentially, as a Republican. I mean, she's running ads on tax cuts. What and is the border? She, she's walking yeah, and, the and, border. and securing the border. Yeah, right. And what does she do day one? She offers free flights to anywhere they want to go in the country to illegal immigrants. And then on day two, she threatens to cut, you know, veto any bill that comes with a tax cut. Yeah. Lie, 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 lie. And that is going to be the next four years. Yeah. This is, even the media, even the media here and there can't avoid pointing some of this out. Uh, Her hypocrisy a, is. Yeah, the hypocrisy, especially on transparency and clean campaign financing. Uh, 270,000, Arizona Republic reported this morning, 270,000 missing from Governor Katie Hobbs's disclosure of inauguration sponsors. So she campaigns with Terry Goddard to get rid of anonymous money and to have clean and open transparency. And then she holds an inauguration ball where she's taking in dark money, the very kind of thing she campaigned against. She says she's been transparent in disclosing it. Well, you know, 270000 ain't slouch money in an event like that. No, and, and look, that entire uh, campaign to get rid of dark money was a scam. I mean, it was a scam because they specifically excluded unions. Right. Yep. And they don't they, there's no limit on somebody giving a donation to a union to then use for this sure. purpose. Sure. So this is the perfect dark money vehicle. And here's my take as Republicans. 
if they, you know, I know this is going to court and Goldwater is going to be challenging it, and I think they have a good chance of getting that that bill thrown out, that that initiative thrown out. But if they don't, here's what I would do on our side: let's start creating unions. I mean, uh, honestly, let's just create unions. I we had people running around Phoenix City Hall yesterday, calling themselves the Union of Unemployed Workers. That's a new one on me because, you know, I just call that not having a job, not being a member of a union. But, hey, they can create a union for anything. So can we. I mean, if if they're going to play this game, then I'm sick of us playing by the rules as they're meant to be and them playing by the rules that actually are. So maybe you and I could uh, chair something called Arizona Citizens Union or something. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Arizona Conservative Broadcasters Union. Yeah. Yeah. Right. not? Why not? I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Let's create both. Yeah. We can use both vehicles. Okay. We'll create some other nice-sounding names for stuff, too. Okay. Right? Yeah. And it'll match, actually, what we do and who we are. Yeah. No, we won't actually be lying about <laughs> right. it. Right. Unlike education unions, which are about the educators, not about education. No, they have nothing to right. do with education right. and everything to do with government bureaucracy right. is expanding. So, right. Right. you know, hey. All you need to know about the education unions was said. Have we talked about Al Shanker before? He was the most famous teachers union president before Randy Weingarten, I think. Very popular in the 70s, late 60s, 70s, and 80s. And he said, as soon as children pay union dues, then they'll be my first concern. Anything <laughs> well, then, you need to know. There, there's he makes re- an appearance in a Woody Allen movie. I think it's Sleeper. I think. Yeah, I appreciate the honesty. Yes. I right. appreciate the honesty. Right. right. Exactly right. We're going to go to break in a second, but um, you know, one of the things that you have been ardently and passionate about is safety and crime and police work. And this country's heart was torn apart by what took place in Memphis last week with the killing of uh, Tyree Nichols. And I wonder if there are implications for what policing can be and should be and can't be and shouldn't be uh, with what a lot of us saw there. Not a lot of people are willing to talk about it because of, I don't know, raw emotions or fears about stepping on the tripwires of the race discussion. But maybe maybe there's something um, that should be said about it from your perspective. Well, Seth, that, that's we'll why I'm, I'm here, because I fear nothing. I know. I love it. That's what I love about you. I, I just love it. Sam Stone and I will be right back. If you have questions for Sam, 602-508-0960. Again, his website, samstone.vote. Samstone.vote. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Sam Stone is our guest. He is a candidate for city council here in District 6 and versed in uh, all kinds of uh, interesting issues in public policy. I was mentioning before we get to the Memphis story and what the lessons are for us, Sam, or what the lessons should or shouldn't be for Phoenix and policing, uh, you and I were just noting during the break we uh, wrote uh, thumbs up on Ilan Omar being removed from the House uh, Foreign uh, Relations Committee. This should have been done by the Democrats when they were in charge. Shame on them for not doing it. I'm glad she's gone. And again, good for Kevin McCarthy. Another so far so good moment for Kevin McCarthy. Uh, I, I got to tell you, Kevin McCarthy's done a very good job so far. There should be no complaints with, with how he's handling himself. Yep. And, and I do think that the 20 holdouts had a lot to do with that. They got important concessions. And yes, 
thank goodness Ilhan Omar is no longer on that. Look, she hates America. She has said numerous times that, you know, she compared us to the Taliban. Right. right. She does not. We're responsible for the problems in Venezuela, not the communists. She does not like this country. She blames America, uh, despite the fact that she's been given this incredible opportunity that could never have happened. Saved her her life. Her home country. Country that saved her life. Um, Saved her life and gave her the opportunity to go to Congress. She still hates this country. Well, I'm sorry. Nobody ever should be serving on that kind of committee who feels that way. Um, Just like you shouldn't have security risks like Adam Schiff serving on an intelligence committee. I mean, the guy has proven that he's a security risk. So I don't care if he wasn't charged in the thing. That's the defense he keeps using. And in her case, she just, you know, she'll, oh, I want to make the country better. Well, that's not what you've said. Well, she has a different idea of better. Right. Her idea of better is a socialist. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a nut nut job. Nut job, Bill. So, I mean, you know, look, it's time to get sweep these people out. Thank Absolutely. goodness it's being done. Congratulations, Absolutely. Speaker McCarthy. Well done, sir. He's going to do something that maybe was informed. Uh, maybe he was informed by from the kind of behavior that Glenn Youngkin has been engaged in and Ron DeSantis has been engaged in, which is showing, you know what, we're going to show backbone. And um, the media is going to yell and the Democrats are going to yell and we're going to get the benefit of it and we're going to improve this place anyway. And you know what? Over time, people will respect that much more than having uh, spines the uh, strength of uh, boiled spaghetti. Well, and, and, and let's give some credit to uh, former President Trump yep. because he, he frankly, when in a time when no Republicans right. were, were doing that, he yep. broke the mold. He started doing that. He showed the backbone, I, I, you know. My complaint is that his style is so off-putting for so many people that it, it really makes it hard for a lot of folks to see the results yeah. and not the words that come in front of them. Um, but Yunkin and all the others you mentioned have done a beautiful job, especially DeSantis, of showing the backbone. Yeah. Um, but also maintaining decorum, you know. It's not unimportant. You know, there's this big debate that is going on uh, in the Republican Party thinking about the Trump race uh, for 2024. And people saying, Lindsey Graham saying, you don't get Trump policies without Trump. You don't get Trumpism without Trump. I hear some other radio hosts, colleagues uh, and such saying things like they're going to say the same things about DeSantis that they say about Trump. But there is a big difference. There is a very big difference that I think people are missing with as, as between DeSantis and Trump. When you hear DeSantis answer a question as opposed to Donald Trump answering a question, you actually understand the point DeSantis is trying to make. He actually explains it and makes everything he does a teachable moment. Donald Trump was on the Hugh Hewitt show this morning. The interview's available online. Listen to the interview and just listen to his answers. They are, for the most part, you have to kind of be in on the joke. That's not what Ron DeSantis well, does. He explains it and takes you from point A to point B to letter Z. Which, which, I mean, you could make a legitimate complaint that he's a little bit dull as he, you could. As he goes through that. You could. I mean, I think that's a legitimate. I, I think with Trump, the problem has, has always been he's his own worst enemy because he spews word salad. Yeah. And the minute you spew word salad, the other side is going to chop you up and, and it's dang near impossible to recover from. Whereas DeSantis can point to what you just said. He can say, no, look, look you at your what hand I through said. The right. He, right. He walks you through it. Right. So. I mean, I think there's value there in a, a, in just a, being a better explainer of what you're trying to do. The other thing, though, Sam, and I wonder where you come down on this, is that that issue of, you know, Trump doing that and taking the heat, the heat kind of beat him. 
The heat has not beaten DeSantis. DeSantis increased from 2 to 20 doing hard stuff. I mean, going after diversity and, 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 and inclusion and equity stuff, going after Disney, going after really hard stuff, opening up. People forget opening up his state when the president said he shouldn't. There's that debate going on right now. The history is going to show DeSantis yeah. was much better than Trump on this. Well, and, and on the vaccine, yeah, yes. which isn't a vaccine. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that definitely is going to weigh in his favor. I, I will say to that point, Trump, I mean, when you're the president, you're facing the full national sure, media sure, mob. Sure. It's a much more it's a much you know, you're, you're getting inundated under yeah. these attacks, Fair whereas DeSantis. You know, yeah, he's being hit all the time, but all he has to do is defend himself within Florida right mm-hmm. now. For now. That's For now. fair enough, too. That's a fair point, too. Uh, Memphis, what lessons do we draw and not draw as they pertain to Phoenix or really anything? Well, I, so it doesn't actually pertain to Phoenix that much to my mind. Um, look, there was a clear lack of training uh policy procedure the way it was executed or not executed the memphis police department clearly needs to look at its training guidelines and uh you brought up a point while we were break that that stories I, are coming out that stories they, are coming that out that this these was guys, an ancillary training right that know, they were not they did, did not, not go through, through the traditional right. training system right. um but also all the officers involved in this were brought into the department under relaxed hiring standards right. because again memphis like so many police departments is so underwhelmed and so understaffed overwhelmed and understaffed that they have had to lower their standards phoenix has not yet lowered our standards we provide the training uh for all of the agencies here in arizona we still maintain a very high standard here. And our training, frankly, is as good as anybody's in the country. But you know what? Cops are like soldiers. They are really happy when they're training. That's that's what, you know, they signed up to have that, to do that kind of stuff. They they love it. So train the heck out of your police and keep them, you know, keep them updated. And at a singular back. standard of a Yeah, and, and at a singular high standard. And then you know, that that leads the politicians in Memphis have not supported their police, which is why you had to relax the standards and why you're running people through an abbreviate, potentially an abbreviated course. You're making up for your own failures as politicians to do what you need to do to stand behind your officers. There is a letter B to that letter A, too, which is when you go on a national campaign from a certain political perspective, denouncing the police wholesale and outright, it is going to ipso facto lead to a tougher time of recruiting. I mean, what's the recruiting message? Come join us. We're a racist organization. Be be one of us. Well, and, it and work. when you're saying that being an officer gives you carte blanche right. to go, you know, uh, beat, murder, and kill people right. in your community, right. then you're, you're going to get people who right. apply because that sounds like a good time to you're them. You're going to get those people right. to apply and, and the good ones won't. And, right. and I think you just saw that right. live and in color in Memphis, well, and it's as awful as it seems, and it should be condemned wholeheartedly by everyone. Well put. Well put. Thank you. Sam Stone is our guest. He is a candidate for city council, as you can see, well-versed on many issues. He is a polyglot. That's not a bad name. That's not a pejorative. He is a polyglot. Sam for six. Samstone.vote is his website. Six is his uh, is the city council district here, folks. Elections aren't done in Maricopa County, at least not in Phoenix. We have the chance to put a conservative in office replacing a conservative in office. Sal DeCicio's seat is up. Sam is running for it. He has Sal's vote. He has Sal's endorsement. He has mine. I hope he has yours. We'll be right back.
I just love Eric Clapton. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show and Sam Stone. Are you an Eric Clapton fan? I'm oh, I, I'm a huge Eric Clapton fan. Look, I, I am a huge fan of anyone who is great, both with their voice and an instrument. Yeah, right? I mean, you know, give me Freddie Mercury all day long. Give me Billy Joel all day long. Um, you know, these guys who... I really regret that we have moved away from an instrumentalist era in music. I, I, I don't care how good you are on the digital keyboard. The the quality of the sound, the, the fullness and richness of the sound of a great guitar, yeah. uh, the, the, the rhythm of a brilliant drummer, right. and their ability to change notes ever so slightly – all those things are being lost right now. Um, you know, it was a lot of it was churches and band, you know, mm-hmm. like church bands and that sort of thing that were really responsible for that amazing generation from the 1950s through the 60s, they 70s. Virtuosos yeah, they just don't have it. As they much, did, and, you know? and there's so many fewer kids who are getting that kind of background experience coming up. And you know, I mean, it's so funny, like Metallica, right? Like all of those guys came from super religious backgrounds, sure. um, which they kind of rebelled against. And you know, some of their music is really kind of about that but but there's a you know there is such a tradition of that skill development that's missing. he wasn't a great instrumentalist by any stretch but i was just thinking the elvis movie i don't know if you saw it i mean but it clear clearly yeah. he was so inspired by the church you no know, he he's at, another guy i think yeah. at the end by the way his best stuff was his gospel i i i'm not inclined to disagree with you at all i mean he he, he clearly um, was very, very influenced by the Bible and by Scripture and by his experience with the church. Oh, yeah. And so many others yeah. have been, too. Oh, yeah. You know. Absolutely. All right. Where do we take that from here? Well, it's totally— You'll you be pro-music as a city right. councilman in District 6. I will absolutely be pro-music. <laughs> You'll be pro-Eric Clapton. You know what? It's just like I'm pro-art. I'm just not pro-crafts. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know. I like is, it. Love it. Half the music today is craft. It's crap. Talk to me about the Portland situation that we want to avoid here. Talk to me about use of force in Phoenix. Well, so Phoenix is looking at installing a public toilet that uh, I keep calling it the Portland Potty. But it's a better name. It's a better name than what they have. It's Portland Lou. Portland Lou. Right. Uh, come on. Bill, was, Bill calls it Portland Lunacy. But Well, that that clearly was done by someone who went to an Ivy League college yeah. and – and, yeah. you know, I don't know, but Cambridge, whatever. Maybe. Yeah, Cambridge. <laughs> um, you know, but but look, here's the thing. And, and you and I would agree, I think. I actually think it's important for us to create more public restrooms in general, um, just because I don't think it's actually right. We kind of here in America rely on restaurants and businesses to provide public restrooms, um, which is not the case in most of the world. Right. Like, why does a private business owner have to cater to someone who just walks in to use their toilet? That doesn't actually seem appropriate to me either. Um, but these things are just drug dens where they've gone in. Starbucks I mean, learned this lesson. Yeah, Starbucks learned this lesson. And even though this one has some accommodations to try to avoid that, the, the fact of the matter is the experience in Portland, the city that created this, is not that it's a raging success. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I mean, they're literally like they have some weird mass grave in the middle of one of their homeless encampments right now. That's not the model you want to be following, folks. I mean, so this this whole thing is just they keep doing things that activists demand. Mm -hmm. 
but they don't really consider the entire scope of what they're doing or really develop a fully a plan. And that's been Phoenix's problem for a number of years now. Does this translate into the issue of uh, the Phoenix and the issue with the use of force that uh, the, the use of force complaints? Well, it, it does. It does. Because one of the reasons the DOJ is here, the Civil Rights Division of the DOJ, um, doing an investigation of the Phoenix Police Department that will likely end up with a consent decree being more or less forced on the city unless mayor it's ties hands. Ties hands, hands out money to the anti-police protest groups, Ferguson effect, all this stuff. But the first step of that in this new chief, Michael Sullivan, they brought in is clearly here from Baltimore to roll over for the DOJ. Baltimore has been under DOJ oversight for decades. By the way, look how well that helped Baltimore. Yeah, no, their policing has not gotten any better. Portland's another one that's under DOJ oversight. And so they brought in this policy for use of force that basically – puts every officer at tremendous risk unless they think someone's about to shoot a member of the public. There's really no way that they're going to want to go and try to detain or put their hands on a person, even if they think they're a danger to the community. Absolutely. All right. Let me take a quick commercial break and do some national news with you, Sam. I'm Seth Leibson. He is Sam Stone. Samstone.vote is his website. He is running for city council here in District 6. Please help him out. Be right back. A lot of you have heard me talking about the good folks at Y-Refi and uh, what a great investment uh, opportunity they have for you with high fixed interest rates up to 10.25%. If you still have uh, questions about them, they're happy to put you in contact with any number of their happily pleased, satisfied customers from the Phoenix area who have invested with them and seen those great returns. Give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. They're happy to put you in touch with any number of their clients. And also think about your IRA. If you'd like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or Joe Biden's economy, think about this. You can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds, and you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. InvestYRefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y-R-E-F-Y.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. You know those guys. They're great guys. Uh, not only do I know them, but uh, I'll break the news right here. I'm actually starting to do some work with them uh, because yeah. I, I've dug into their operations. It is A-plus, first class. Uh, this is a great, great way to protect your money and earn a great return. And so after talking with them a bunch, you know, I, they said, hey, we'd like to get you in, in the door with us. And, and I couldn't resist that because Good. these guys are doing – they're doing great work yeah. helping students. Donna helping, Lane. It's a great team. Yeah. It's a great and team. And helping, helping people pay off their student loans that they're otherwise default on, that's fantastic. That's great. That, that's nice to hear. I didn't know that. Good. Um, what was I going to raise with you? Yes, there's this interesting case that the Goldwater, found, uh, the Goldwater Institute just uh, waged uh, on uh, what's known as the Super Bowl censorship case. You yeah. Want to say something about it? So uh, most people don't realize when the Super Bowl comes to town, part of their agreement with the various jurisdictions and municipalities is they get to control all the signage and the conditions in the areas that they're going to be having events in, meaning you can't have private signage. You can't have, you know, you can't put up any sort of, you know, ad or, or for sale or anything like that. You can't even advertise your own property for sale. And um, so they were sued by Goldwater along with a guy named Bramley Paulin who owns a building downtown. 
I was down at his building a couple of days ago. He actually won that lawsuit against the city and against the NFL this morning. The judge came back with a final ruling in his favor. Um, his building is completely blocked off. Like you basically cannot get to his building already right now. And it's a working um, wood shop. Right. So I mean, it's basically a condemnation. Yeah, and he would like to. <laughs> yeah, he would like, yeah, he would like yeah. to work. <laughs> he would like to work, but yeah. he would also like to advertise that that building is for sale mm-hmm. because he's he's hoping to sell that piece a of high number of traffic with a huge number of traffic, yeah. which should be his his opportunity right. and his alone. It's his building. Because we talk about what the Super Bowl coming to right. town does for the city and all its or the state even and all its you know all the revenue we depend and, on. And it. this would be a revenue stream, right? And there's lots. I mean, there's lots of great things about the Super Bowl coming here. This case will have national implications. This is going to apply to every city they go to in the future. Um, and I, I would add, there's some other things going on. I mean, right now. We cannot get a pothole filled in the city of Phoenix because 100% of the people who would be involved in doing that type of work are actually working right now at the direction of the Super Bowl committee. Oh, really? They're not working at the direction of the city of Phoenix or its citizens. They are spending 100% of the time prepping downtown in the way that the Super Bowl people would want it prepped. People who don't believe in Bigfoot look at it the NFL. They're Bigfooting. Oh, they they are monster footing. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this is this is Monsters Inc. right here, and yeah. they are dropping big big paw prints all over us. And look again, I'm happy to have the Super Bowl here. I'm a football fan. I think it's a great thing, but I also don't think you should allow any corporation to walk over the rights of private citizens. And number one among those rights, if you have private property, right. you can do with your private property as you wish. That was the idea. Yeah. So you know what? Um, Corporatism is not a good thing generally. No. And you know what? Um, I hope I I hope uh, Mr. Paulin is able to use his property in any way he wants. And I've heard he might be doing that. So maybe story to come. Oh, good. Okay. Nice to hear. Nice to hear. Um, It doesn't have huge implications for our city, but uh, you know, you and I were both just kind of struck by the National Prayer Breakfast comments this morning by Joe Biden. We need to be more civil with each other. Our rhetoric has gotten too divisive. This is the man who has called us the party of of Bull Connor and Jefferson Davis and George Wallace. This is the man who said Mitt Romney wants to put black people in chains. Mitt Romney, the kind of Republican, by the way, they're always lecturing us we need more of. Extreme mega terrorists. Right. We're the party of extreme mega terrorists. As he was giving that prayer breakfast speech, I was watching on C-SPAN, Maxine Waters on the House was calling (laughs) the uh, opposition uh, the other side of the aisle, the Republicans, the extreme side of the aisle. Yeah, no, look, it's it's garbage. I, I can't tell you how sick I am of this stuff in the press, the corporate press letting them get away with this. Because, look, every time that they have an opportunity, they are the most divisive people on the planet. I really blame the current racial strife in this country. I mean, if you see a chart of, of how people feel about the race, you know, racial issues in this country, things were getting better and better and yep. better and better. Barack Obama gets elected. It shoots way up. But then Barack Obama gets in trouble for his reelection run and his operatives go out and deliberately drive a wedge yep. in America yep. to drive up uh, minority turnout to get him reelected. And it has been all downhill since there. And I got to tell you, this is directly coming from the Democrat Party. This is their plan. This is their platform. And they are executing it. And so every time Joe Biden says something like that, and I love your monologue on this, Seth, because, um, you know, this is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. He is just flat gaslighting people. They have two kind of go-tos, don't they? Um, Always blame law enforcement first. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and racialized, racialized, racialized. It is an interesting – there's an interesting thing here. You know, I say for a country that has – for the most wealthy country and most advanced technological country the world has ever known, the irony is that we are seeing a decline in life expen- expectancy, a decline in academic uh, – education scores and a rise in drug poisoning deaths unheard of at the same time for a country that has done what it has done with regard to race twice electing Barack Obama and everything else why are we more racially divided than we've ever been it's the Democrats who have put us there. it's the Democrats who have put us there and and it ties into the broader themes of socialism yes, it does and the fact that they couldn't create the class divides and right. the class animosity the they wanted right. right so the you know the neo-marxists have gone and, and you're using race in lieu of in lieu of class exactly exactly and, you know, I mean, this is a really, really pernicious, terrible thing that is happening to this country that they're driving. But if you look at it over and over and over again, um, this is very deliberate. And and look at what you just talked about, life expectancy yeah. going down. Right. Well, life expectancy is going down for the majority, but life expectancy is shooting up for the elite. Yep. Um, incomes for the elite continue to shoot up with all their policies and everything else doesn't matter. Uh, COVID was the greatest wealth transfer to the 1% the world has ever seen. Uh, they are using all these things, and, and they view it as a different type of elite. Uh, they view you know a government Ivy League elite as the ones who should rule the, rule the planet, rule the country. And those folks are benefiting tremendously from everything that's going on right now, and the average person is getting pounded into the ground. And it's a deliberate plan. Of course it is. The worse, the better. That's the old socialist mantra. It yeah. is the party of socialism. If you, if you make people dependent, they're never going to vote against you. Exactly right. It's exactly right. It's a needle in the arm that you cannot take out. It's exactly right. Sam and I will be right back with some concluding thoughts. There's a virtuoso, Maynard Ferguson, doing Take the A Train. Sam Stone's been our guest. Uh, Sam, how would you close? Well, I guess I'd close again. For, for all of your listeners out there, Seth, I, I am really humbled by the response. And obviously, I need folks to continue to put in the time and effort and help me with this campaign. We've got, a, you know, alert, alert, low turnout election ahead. This is the ultimate opportunity. We got 44,000 Republicans. There's likely to be like 40,000 total votes cast. If 30 or 40,000 of, of our Republican voters turn out, I win this thing in a landslide. And we are working really hard on this. We're, we're doing like twelve to 1,500 letters a night out of the office. We're knocking 500 to 1,000 plus doors minimum every weekend. I mean, we are grinding. And so, you know, folks, go on my website, samstone.vote. You can get all the information there. Come join us. Feed you a nice dinner, all that kind of thing. But I'm going to throw in a shout out before we wrap up here. Um, to, to And it's something I don't want to see happen, but... Um, Anyone right now who's considering running a campaign in the state of Arizona for office, if they are not trying to steal Jamie Kleshak, my campaign manager, who's been with me from the start of my time in Sal's office, I brought her in there, um, and she stuck with me, they are making an enormous mistake. Because this young lady, uh, she's still in her her mid-20s, she is crushing it. She is absolutely doing everything on this campaign. She does the digital side. She does the organizing. She's leading all the volunteers. She's organ- I mean, everything under the sun this girl has done. And if we pull this off, Jamie Kleshek, I am going to owe you big. I'm going to I'm going to make sure I deliver on what I owe you. But but, you know, I I would be stunned. And I think a lot of people would be foolish if they did not call her and try to steal her away from me immediately because 
and I hope she doesn't leave. Let me say that because it's she's nice. brilliant. They say this is thankless work, and there you go. It doesn't have to be. Sam, that says something nice about you to recognize her as well. So that's nice of you. That's great to hear. She's earned hear. every word. I'm glad to hear it. It is hard work to run a campaign. It is hard work to run in a campaign, and that's why we're delighted you're doing it. Folks, thanks for spending some of uh, your afternoon. No, we're not. I have one more hour to go. Why am I thinking I'm out of here? Sam's out of here. I'm out of here. <laughs> I got Josh Hammer coming in. Not Well, coming on. I am Seth and Don't go away. A great conversation with Josh Hammer, editor of the opinion page of Newsweek, host of his own podcast, great conservative mind and thinker. We're going to have a uh, roiling conversation about uh, the conservative movement in America with one of its finest thinkers and leaders. Sam Stone, thank you for being with us again. Samstone.vote is the website. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.